0: So today we're doing something very uh, uh, striking and uh, I guess surprising to a certain extent uh, in today's Parsha. Because uh, the Parsha discusses how uh, Yaakov was preparing himself uh, against the war, uh, against Esau. He was trying various different methods, brought him a gift. He prayed to Hashem and he also prepared for war if necessary. He was ready on all fronts. But over here the verse discusses and it says he got up on that night and it says like this, he took his two wives and his two maidservants and his eleven children his eleven sons and he transferred them over the Maveri Yabuk, over that river over there, the Yabuk river, he transferred them over from one side to the other side. So Rashi asks, He says, wait a minute, two wives, two maidservants, and 11 children. But we also learned there was a daughter there. He said, what happened to Dina? Dina, where where, uh, where is Dina? Dina heich ha'isa. What happened to Dina? Where was she? And Rashi brings down over here something very interesting and surprising it would seem. So Rashi says that Yaakov actually put her into a box. And he locked the box in front of her. And he did it, why? Because Dina was a beautiful young girl. And he was afraid that the evil Aesop, Aesop is going to put her eye, his eyes on her. So far, so good. So basically that would mean, basically what would that mean? That would mean that she wasn't actually there when he was, the Pusach is actually alluding to it that he transferred everybody and she went along with the packages. She was in the suitcase sort of. She was locked up over there in the bag and he carried her over. So that's why she doesn't appear in the Pusach. But then Rashi adds to this. Rashi says, U'lekach ne'enashiach shemono and that's why Yaakov was punished—that he prevented her from his brother, from Esau. And what happened? Why would he allow to Shema Lemutov? Maybe she would have enough influence to change him around, make him into a good person, a Arasha. So he locked her up. And he didn't allow that. That's why he was punished. What happens? The nafla biyat Shechem. And she fell in the hands of Shechem. Rashi is alluding here to what the verse says later on. The whole story that Dina was taken in by force into the house of uh, Shechem. As the posse goes on telling telling us the whole story over there that Shechem ben Hamor raped her and he, the whole story, as the Torah uh, relates later on. So one wonders, but wait a minute. Uh, Yaakov punished for what? for trying to protect his daughter from Esau uh, Russia. Okay, uh, that's one problem. Okay, he had an intention maybe she could maybe she could change, maybe uh, maybe not. maybe yeah, uh, maybe no. I mean, could he take? could he afford to take such a chance? he should be punished for that but wait a minute, the other question is what does it mean she fell in the hands of Shechem that wasn't a punishment for Yaakov that that seemed like it was a punishment for for Dina I mean she's the one that fell in the hands of Shechem Okay, it was Yaakov's daughter but uh, at the end of the day why should she fall in the hands of Shechem because Yaakov prevented her why should she be falling in the hands of Shechem further Later on, we learn in the Pesach, when the Pesach describes how everybody came up to Esav. the verse says, Leah and her children came to Esav." Uh, the first is that the maidservants with her children came to Esav. So first it mentions the mothers and then the children. Then by Leah, it says Leah, the woman, the mother, and then the children. And then it says, and afterwards came last, Yosef and Rachel. It doesn't say Rachel and Yosef; it says Yosef and Rachel. So Rashi makes a note: How come it was changed of an order of here? How come the mother after the son, and all the time it's the mother before the son? So the Rashi says that Yak that um, said to himself that my mother is a beautiful woman. And maybe that evil person will hang his eyes on her and see my mother. And because that, he says, I'm going to stand next to her and I'm not going to let him look at my mother. So he went ahead of his mother to try to block her from Asaph's view. And Rashi concludes (laughs) over there. This brought Yosef a blessing where later on, Ali Ayin, beyond the eye, as the Post says later on in the blessing. But wait a minute. Yaakov hid Dina so that he shouldn't look at her or he shouldn't take her. That is considered a punishment for that. What did he do? And over here, ya- Yo- I mean uh, Yosef gets a blessing for what he did. Now, of course, it's a little different. She was married, it was his mother. But still, it's the same, basically, concept. It's Esau going after the women over there and trying to protect the women from Esau. How come Yaakov is punished for that? And the punishment seems to come to Leah. Not, I mean, to Dinah, and not for Yaakov. And then, in this case, actually, Yosef gets a blessing for what he did. So what's going on over here? So perhaps, I think, the key can be understood is because Rashi says over here that he locked the he locked the Teva before her in other words he took away that choice he put her into a box Rashi doesn't just say that he put her into a box so she wouldn't see him Rashi says he put her into a box v'no'al now." somehow Yaakov was afraid that Dina as the Torah describes later on that Dina was a like her mother it says Bas leia. she was like Leia he was afraid that she was going to sort of get involved with asaph so he was it's not just that he protected her or he hid her but he locked her in In other words, he locked her into the box, he closed her in there, and he didn't give her the choice. And taking away the choice, it doesn't say that's why she fell into the hands of Shechem. What Hashem was saying to, what Hashem was saying to him basically, that although we have to do everything in the natural way, and to protect and try the best we can and to hide and to cover as Yosef do but to believe really that you have the ability to protect there's a story told about a a great religious man who on Pesach was so religious that he wouldn't eat in anybody's home not only in anybody's home he wouldn't even eat at his Rebbe his Rebbe was a great Tzaddik he wouldn't even eat his Rebbe, and when his Rebbe made a gathering, a fabrengian or a gathering, he wouldn't come on Pesach he wouldn't come, even though he was a follower but he wouldn't come and one time when the Rebbe was sitting by the table with all the chassidim around there and they were eating whatever on Pesach over there, he noticed that this chassid wasn't there so he asked the other uh, the other people, he asked them where is this chassid? he was a great chassid? where is he, how come he's not by the table they, hum, they They sort of told the Rebbe that he doesn't even trust. He won't even be at the Rebbe's. And the Rebbe said, go tell him that under the cover where they keep the water, because they wouldn't even take water, they would prepare the water before Pesach. He says, go tell him that if you'll open up the cover of the water that is prepared for Pesach, he will find uh, there's some Chomets over there. So they went and they told him and they and they said, Came and it was true. The Chassid was devastated. He came running towards charge of the Rebbe. He says, "Rebbe, he says, why does this happen to me?" He says, "I'm trying so hard to keep Pesach. It's doing it. I'm really doing it l'shem shemaim for Hashem. Why was I, why was I uh, stumbled?" And the other thing he says, Rebbe, if you knew that I had chometz over there, why did you tell me before Pesach? You know how careful I am. Why didn't you tell me? And the Rebbe said to him like this. And then he asked the Rebbe to help him do Teshuvah. So the Rebbe said to him like this. Look, of course if I knew you had Chomets over there, I would tell you. That's not even a question. But I didn't know. But when, when everybody is sitting by the table and over here, and we're having a good Hasidic gathering, and you're missing, I knew there was something wrong. Because it can't be that because of religious reasons you would not be able to participate. So something told me I said that there must be. So I didn't know. If I know it, I would tell you. It was only the fact that you didn't come together with everybody else. And he says, You want to know why this happened to you? The Rebbe said to him like this because a person needs to know that he has limited abilities to make the absolute sure. You have to rely a little bit on HaKadosh Baruch Baruchu. You can't say to yourself, I am guaranteed. I know that I can do it myself. That's arrogance. And that seems to putting too much on yourself. That you're going to figure out that nothing is ever going to happen. I guess Hashem showed you that, you know what? You can't guarantee anything. You need the Sayaita shma'ya. If you go overboard and you really start believing in yourself that you're going to protect then something wrong might come out. When he locked her in there, and he didn't give that choice, of course, if he just did it, he sort of, he says, I am going to guarantee, I'm going to make sure that she's not going to fall in the hand of, David tells him, look, Mm -hmm. we're not talking about only the, say, look, you think you can guarantee these things, Hashem shows you, and Hashem shows us, that you need to pray to Hashem for you need to pray you have to do the best you can but you still need the support of the heavens you need Hashem to help you and protect you and if you think that you can protect it doesn't happen so the punishment here doesn't mean God forbid what happened to her over there. the punishment here means for his idea that I can lock her up Hashem punished him and showed to him no, you know you can't you don't have control over the world. The Ebrister is in control. And therefore, look, you try to protect for sure. there's no guarantees. Enough. I just want to uh, conclude that today being it's Yud Kislev, which is the day that the Mitla Rebbe was released out of prison, and he did a lot as all Chabad Rebbes, not only for their chassidim, for the teaching of the Torah and disseminating of Yiddishkeit. But first and foremost, their love of all the Jewish people was so strong that they labored and they worked with the governments and against the governments. They raised lots of money to help a lot of other people, To people who were destitute in that time. They helped them settle, they helped them financially and also emotionally, in various different ways. And a lot of times they paid the price for it, and the severe price as the Mitla Rebbe passed away all of the age of 54. And he went through a lot of uh, Mesidus Nefesh. And yet, as the Rebbe writes, that the Rebbeim, they had the ability to connect to Hashem in seclusion and study Torah and teach uh, Hasidis and teach nigla, but they took out of their precious connection to Hashem to help another Jew and to see to it that the other people uh, have their needs in all aspects. And um, this day, which is Yud Kislev, Tebishter, is certainly uh, allowing for us to get closer to this particular tzaddik, to the Rebbe, to the Mittler Rebbe, as well as to all the Nesiyah Chabad and to all the holy leaders and it's for us a time to sort of try to connect to try to uh, emulate and to the extent possible follow in their directives and to do to reach out to another person to teach to educate to love a fellow Jew and to do whatever you can to better your community and your environment your family And then Hashem will certainly send us the blessings and all the protection that we need, and we will merit the coming of Mashiach, and all the tzaddikim will be once again together.